we're going to continue tonight um, looking at the, the topic of suffering uh, from Paul David Tripp's book. And um, great book. There's a lot um, in it. Uh, that I, I really enjoyed the lesson last week. Um, this the, Tonight we're looking at the comfort of God's grace. We looked at the discouragement trap uh, last time. And uh, we're going to look at tonight the comfort of God's grace and some things that can help us when we face suffering in our lives. Um, recently I was in a church service and um, a young lady at the close of the service got up to pray. And uh, this this girl, we know her well, Heather and I know her well. Um, she's got a um, really a lifelong illness that she will have uh, to the end of her life. And uh, it, she, it makes it difficult for her to control her limbs. It makes it difficult for her to make herself understood when she speaks. And um, Hannah gave her testimony. She made a little video of her testimony um, probably about six months ago. And we actually put it up on the Faith on Fire Facebook page. Um, and one of the most powerful testimonies I think I've ever seen. And she talked about a moment in her own experience where she faced the fact that because of her illness, she really felt like a bag of dirt, in her own words. And she said she recognized in that moment that God said when he had created everything, it is good. And she said if God said it was good, then that's the truth. And he created me the way I am, and it is good. And, you know... Hannah is a person who, unlike many of us who face suffering, whether it's long-term suffering uh, or illness or, you know, maybe more short-lived, Hannah is a person who, by God's grace, she's refused to be defined by her suffering. Hannah is not simply an ill person, but she is a person who is valued by God. And it just... It brought tears to my eyes to see her get up at the close of that church meeting and, and pray and close in prayer. Because it, it's not easy for her. But she got up joyfully and did it um, because she's refused to be defined by her suffering. And that's one of the things that we want to speak about um, tonight in our lesson. Uh, we're looking at chapter 9, the comfort of God's grace. And we're going to look at uh, what it means to... Uh, be defined by our suffering, to find our identity in our suffering, as opposed to finding our identity in God and what he says about us. We're going to talk a little bit about what that does in our lives uh, when we find ourselves identified by our suffering. Um, and then we're going to start um, looking at um, how to change the way we identify ourselves uh, to see ourselves the way God sees us. And we're going to start looking at God's grace and how uh, the different ways that God's grace works in our lives uh, can help us to find meaning um, in suffering, but also uh, to be triumphant in suffering. You know, it's not easy for anyone, uh, but we can triumph in suffering as Christians when we find our identity in Christ and really in what God thinks of us. So let's just take a minute. We'll just pray. Um, ask God to speak to our hearts and uh, then we will uh, look at our lesson tonight. God, we just thank you that we can be together tonight. Lord, we even thank you for the technology, Lord, that we can gather on Zoom. Um, Lord, we think uh, maybe some of us would not be able to be here tonight if we couldn't do this virtually online and we thank you for that. 
Uh, we know that technology has limitations, but we thank you um, so much that we can be together tonight. Um, God, will you speak to our hearts as we look at your word? Um, God, will you help us to understand? And Lord, will you help us to be encouraged and lifted up, uh, Lord, to know that you can help us and, Lord, that it would give us a new perspective on whatever we're facing. And uh, Lord, we ask these things through Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we want to just talk for a moment before we look at really God's grace and how that changes our identity. We want to think for a second about the reality that while we go through suffering, um, it can be destructive in our lives when we we find our identity in our suffering. And so once again, I'm going to read some little excerpts uh, from the book. Um, if we don't fight to remember our true identity as the children of God, an identity that nothing or no one can steal from us, our suffering begins to define us. And that's the point um, that we find at the beginning of this chapter, but that our suffering can define us, okay? Really, there's two questions that we can ask ourselves. Who am I in relation to my suffering? Okay, everyone here might be facing different things. But who am I in relation to my suffering? If we're not careful, um, we can easily slip into saying, I am whatever I'm facing in my suffering. Okay, but what we want to ask ourselves, the question that can help us to have the, you know, to identify ourselves with what God thinks of us is who am I in relation to my God? Let me give an example. You know, for just because at the beginning I used an illustration of someone who faces illness in their life. You know, illness is a very challenging thing to go through, particularly long-term illness. Um. But a person who's facing illness, they might say, who am I in relation to my suffering? Well, I'm a sick person. You know, I am a depressed person because of the effect that the illness has had in my life. And those are real things. But even in the midst of illness, uh, we can ask, who am I in relation to God? Okay, so even though I'm facing suffering, um, who am I in relation to God? Well, I'm loved by God. In fact, I'm loved so much that he sent Jesus to die in my place. And just um, with God's help, looking towards that um, can lift us up. It doesn't make the, the difficulty go away, but it lifts us up. Now, let me just say, as we go through this study, I'm very aware that when we are in the midst of suffering and somebody's trying to give us advice, it can be, it can be difficult. Okay, and I just, I don't want it to come across like that at all, okay? Um, it can, you know, really it can be very hard to crawl out of the hole of discouragement, um, even despair that results from deep suffering and pain. And, uh, you know, we often, you know, we may need help uh, from others to climb out of that hole. And I just, I just really don't want this to feel condemning to any of us, okay? If you're facing suffering, and you're discouraged, and you feel defined by your suffering. Nobody's judging you here, okay? Because I really think that 
there are natural ways that we react to suffering in our lives and without the word of god challenging us that's naturally the way we react we react we react and so the whole purpose of this study is not to you know add to the burden of our suffering to make us feel bad that we're not handling it well okay we all agree that naturally we don't handle suffering well i don't and i know there's been many times in my life where things were going wrong and i handled it really poorly okay so th this is not about judging you know us when we're in suffering but this is about us being helped from god's word and finding some strategies to cope with suffering to triumph in suffering and to bring glory to god in suffering okay and um so that's what it's about i love what it says um on the first page of chapter nine um, the author says, now let me say that long-term depression is horrible to live through. It has a radical impact on your everyday functioning, your relationship with God, and your community with others. It is a huge heart and life struggle that shouldn't be minimized, but it is very important to say that it is not an identity. And I just want to add this, this caveat here. You know, really much of what we're looking at is simple and clear truth i love that about this book that it is simple and clear but really it's helped for uh some of the more common uh struggles that we might have in suffering okay but he mentions there the reality of depression you know if somebody's facing depression um many of the things we're talking about will no doubt help okay but let me just say that if you need to talk to somebody if you need uh, you know some maybe some specialized help that is is important um, I just was thinking today you know sometimes when we face suffering and we come at it from a stable place in our mind um, some of the things we're talking about can be a real help but you know when we really are in an unstable place in our mind and we face some maybe extreme suffering sometimes we can need some specialized help maybe some counseling to help us get through that sometimes people that have a little bit of understanding that can help us and if you find yourself in that position keep listening to these studies because this will help but don't rule out the reality that you may need more help and i'd encourage you to speak to pastor and um, pastor may be able to um offer some help or to plug you in with somebody or to recommend somebody who can give you more help if you're facing some particularly unique and deep suffering in your life. So I just wanted to add that that caveat. Um, so as we look at the this idea of suffering, notice what he said, what I just read at the end of that uh, sentence, he says, it is very important to say that it is not our identity. So no matter what we're suffering, um, that is not who we are, okay? You are more than your suffering, okay? That is not your life. You are more than your suffering, okay? Now, when we become defined by our suffering, again, it can happen so easily. It's our natural reaction to suffering without our thinking being challenged by the Word of God. Um, it can have some results in our lives. First of all, it really it determines our expectations about life. Really, when we become defined by our suffering, um, it can remove hope from our lives. 
we don't expect anything good to happen and that's a very hard place to live you and i were hardwired for hope uh, whether you are aware of it or not it is hope that gets you up in the morning and causes you to once again do the things you do you hope that if you do and you can fill in the blank that you will receive fill in the blank as a result and i love this statement the way god has designed us is that vertical hope or our hope in god would fuel a horizontal life of expectant faith and courageous action okay so even in the midst of suffering um, if we can remember that our identity is the identity God gives us, not what our suffering gives us, that can help to keep hope alive in our hearts. Um, but when our identity becomes what we're going through, it really can dent, damage, or even destroy hope in our lives. Okay, another thing that can happen um when we are def become defined by our suffering is that it determines our potential it determines our potential um why does one person step forward and face the hard thing while the other runs away um well it has to do with our view of our potential and uh, why is one person active in the middle of difficulty while the other seems paralyzed by it ever felt that you know, you're going through suffering and you just freeze. You just are not able to do anything. That is a very real dynamic. Um, but oftentimes we suffer, that suffering becomes our identity and it erodes our view of our potential. We just feel worthless. That's why Hannah came to the point where she said because of her illness, I feel like a bag of dirt, you know. I feel worthless and uh, you know we can all feel that but remember you are more than your suffering okay so you still have the potential to be used by God and to make um, a, a, an important contribution to the people around you I mean that you have something to bring to the table that nobody else has even though right now you're going through suffering okay you are more than your suffering so it can affect our potential um and then also it can affect our actions and we kind of mentioned that a little bit that we can become paralyzed uh, when we are in the middle of difficulty when we're in, in the middle of suffering and uh, what can transform these three things is to remember who we are in god and that's really what the rest of this chapter is about. We're not going to get through all of the chapter today um, because there's so much good stuff um, in the passage you're going to look at, uh, but also that the author brings up in the book. Um, so we're going to try to uh, do part one th this week, and then part two of The Comfort of God's Grace will be next Wednesday night at the same time. So how do we find our identity in christ in god in the midst of suffering how do we do that well to answer that question i want to read uh, to you um romans chapter 8 and i'm going to read verse 18 down through verse 39 and uh, just before i read that two statements that really stuck out to me from the book um 
as you are suffering, the way to avoid adding more trouble to your trouble is to run away from the temptations. And that's what we talked about just a minute ago. We're tempted um, because our, we're identified by our suffering. We're tempted um, uh, to change our expectations, to lose hope. We're tempted to underestimate our potential. Um, and we're tempted to be just inactive. Um, and we talked about that from another angle last week, that when we're discouraged, it's hard to do the things that we know God wants us to do, and that will ultimately help us um, to cope with the suffering we're facing. Um, but we need to run away from those temptations, and we need to run towards God's comforts. The first of these comforts is the stunningly encouraging comfort of God's amazing grace. And uh, that's what we want to talk about um, here in Romans chapter 8. So I'm going to start again in verse 18, and then I'm going to read down to the end of the chapter. And it says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not yet is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope that we see not, if we hope for that we, that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things 
we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's a powerful and a long passage, and there's a lot in there. Um, we're going to look at that a little more next week, but I just want to pull out a few things that jumped out of this passage, just as a kind of an overview, um, and then we're going to look at um, the next section of the book. But first of all, notice that in verse 18, he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, that verse is talking about the future reality of being with God forever in heaven. Okay. But the author, Paul, um, obviously the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to write exactly what God wanted him to write. But Paul's the human author. But he says, the sufferings of this present time. It's almost still, he, he highlights the fact that suffering is a feature of human life. It It is. Everybody faces suffering. And all that it says here in Romans chapter 8, all that it says here in Romans chapter 8 um, is in the context of suffering. It's in the context of going through difficulties, okay? And um, notice um, down in, where are we at? I just wanted you to notice uh, down in around verse 31. It says, what shall we say then to these things? Notice um, verse uh, 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. In other words, you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, we can be charged with nothing. Why? Because God has declared us righteous. We're forgiven. You know, shame and guilt can get lost in our lives. Okay? They can leave us alone. Why? Because Jesus suffered for our sins and we're forgiven. And that is a truth that you and I can hang on to no matter what life is throwing at us. I'm forgiven. Okay? Notice in the next verse there, it says, um, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? You know, in the same way as we, we in, in a sense, we can't be accused of anything because we're forgiven in Christ. We can't be condemned, okay? Because we're forgiven in Christ. And what a, a wonderful truth to remember that my identity is not the suffering that I'm going through, but it's the fact that I am not condemned. I am not, you know, destined for, for judgment and punishment. If I have believed in Jesus, I am forgiven and nothing can take that away. Even on my worst day, I can say I'm forgiven. I am not condemned. And then I love what it says um, in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? You know, famine is suffering. You know, going through actually not having enough food. You know, um, I think of some of the poor people in Ukraine right now 
uh, particularly in the city of Mariupol, and going through a very difficult time. You know, they're suffering in a very real way. And, you know, Ukraine has many, many believers, uh, from what I read. And, you know, we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are suffering there, and they're going through famine. Um, it talks about um, sword at the end of the verse, going through suffering uh, as in war. Um, it says nakedness or peril, being in danger. And the whole point is, no matter what happens in life, the most dire thing can happen in our lives. But none of these these things can separate us from the love of Christ. Uh, verse 39 expands that a little bit more. It says, uh, it gives a list of things and it says, none of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, you know, the reality is, if you are a believer in Jesus, you are not your suffering, no matter how awful it is. You are the object of God's incredible, unbelievable love in Jesus Christ. And we can take solace and comfort in God's love in Christ Jesus. In, in other words, the, the demonstration of his love in that he sent Jesus to die for us, even at the worst of times. Uh, that can encourage us. And so a key to, you know, being triumphant in suffering is to refuse to identify ourselves by what we're suffering, but to choose instead to identify ourselves as loved by God, as somebody who God paid an infinite price for uh, so that we could be forgiven and we could uh, be in a relationship with him. And so, um, th just those are just a few thoughts there from um, uh, from this passage here in Romans chapter 8. Um, I love what verse 37 says. It says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And again, it's in the context of suffering based on, on verse 18 that Paul is, is talking about, you know, we're going through sufferings, we're facing challenges in our lives, but because God loves us, and that is who we are, we are those who are loved by God, that can get us through the most difficult times. Now, I just want to make um, one point here that um, the author of the book makes, um, and then we'll go to our our interactive time, our, our question time, and then to prayer. Um, but he he focuses in on verse 19 through 25 um, in the next section of the chapter. And he says there's two things that really we need, we can take from verses 19 through 25 that can help us in suffering. And the first one is that suffering is not an unusual, surprising experience. It's the experience of everyone who lives in this dramatically broken world. <coughs> Pardon me. Suffering is an indicator of where we live, but not an indicator of the failed love of our Savior. That's what we often are tempted to assume, aren't we? We're tempted to assume that 
God doesn't love us because we're going through suffering. He continues, you haven't been singled out and God hasn't turned his back on you. And we need to remember that. But that suffering is, <coughs> as the passage talks about, we live in a sin-cursed, broken world. And everybody will face suffering at some time in their life. And that's the second point he makes. He said, in the middle of, of the suffering that we all face one or another, uh, one way or another, God is up to something good. Okay, God is doing something good uh, through through it. I love this statement. In moments when we are crying out for the grace of relief, God is doing good things in and through us using the very things that we want relief from as his tool. Using the very things that we want relief from as his tool. And God, you know, a lot of times it's difficult to see in the midst of suffering. But God is... And I, I believe that sometimes we won't see the good thing that God was doing in some of our sufferings until we are in heaven. But God is always up to something good in our lives through our trials, through the difficulties that we face. And so remembering that suffering is, is not unusual, that we live in a broken world, that it comes to all of us, um, can help us, can encourage us, can remind us that, no, God hasn't turned his back on me. All of us face suffering at different times, but also remembering that God is up to something good uh, in it. And it is so great to know that although God's grace often greets us in uncomfortable moments and ways, none of these things we suffer has the power to stand in the way of the amazing grace he's promised us. And so that's the first part. Uh, we're looking at uncomfortable grace when we're in suffering. Um recognizing these these two things um that can help us now i think that's about that's a that's a, a bite-sized chunk for tonight uh, again if we we try to tackle the rest of the chapter um i think that that will probably be too much for us and uh, better to go over uh, an amount that our minds can process and now we can talk about for a few minutes uh than to try to get through the rest of the chapter